In this episode of the Becoming Conscious podcast, I'm joined by Corey Katuna. The topic of this conversation revolves around becoming conscious of the hidden motives, the agendas that we have when we show up with other people, and also in our own lives, independent of relationships, what it looks like to become conscious of the frames and beliefs and assumptions that we have about ourselves that influence how we show up and the emotions that surface. We talk about how these hidden motives cause subtle manipulation, what it means to choose to deepen our integrity, and what it looks like to become conscious of what's underneath our actions, behaviors, and thoughts, such that we can get to what Corey calls the choice point. The choice point being the point where you see that the way you're showing up, the identity that you have, the assumptions you have about yourself, that you're actually choosing those things and you can actually choose to do otherwise. So I really think you'll find this conversation fascinating. There are just so many gems in this episode. And so enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Corey. It's so nice to have you. Great to be here. Awesome. Um, so how I usually do it on this podcast is we usually just jump right in the deep end. Um, I may uh, give an intro later on. Um, so yeah, a couple topics that I'd love to discuss with you today are um, understanding our core assumptions we have about ourselves and how that shows up in the emotions that we experience and how we relate to other people and also also how we can be more integrous with ourselves and why that may be beneficial to us and why it may change how we experience life on a day-to-day basis wonderful awesome um so to dive right into it um, i would love to just give a little bit of my Um, what I've been sitting with around core assumptions that I hold, how it shows up in relationships, and we can see what talking points arise after that. Okay. Um, Awesome. So I released a podcast like a week ago called How Subtle Manipulation is Everywhere, where it's like how almost every single one of us engages in subtle manipulation, whether we know it or not. Um, And the core kind of thesis of that episode was that the emotions that we experience arise from core assumptions that we have about ourselves. So um, within myself, there's like the not enoughness, worthlessness, a feeling of being wrong. These all arise in different social contexts, depending like what um, situations I find myself in different one parts of these feelings of lack or core assumptions that I have about myself get triggered and give rise to these emotional experiences. Um, And so the practice that I've been engaging with and was exploring in that episode was how a lot of times, all right, if I'm like going out with a group of people and it's going well, and then somehow that core feeling gets triggered, I'll come home and I'll feel like totally like, just like, like doubting everything I said, or just like somehow the social interaction will feel wrong. And then my practice recently has been sitting with that and just asking myself what's underneath it, what's underneath it, what's underneath it, what is the story I'm telling myself that makes this emotion feel like the most justified reaction to that situation and it's just really getting curious about 
like a lot of these emotions that I experience are, are me actually unconsciously trying to maintain certain core assumptions that I'm not even aware of. And, and then a lot of times when I show up with people and try to authentically express these emotions, it's still subtly manipulative because it's coming from trying to not trying to feel the opposite of that assumption that I have about myself rather than just expressing without needing anything from other people. Um, so I'm curious as I was speaking, um, what came up for you or how you Wow, a few things came up. First of all, I just appreciate your, your honesty, like the willingness that you have to look at that already. It's just farther than it's, it's, it's more transparent than most. Let's put it that way. Just the willingness to be like, okay, I'm feeling bad in the, in real time to be admitting that and to go home and be like, okay, what was that? What was that all about? And to actually like almost like a computer processing it just to be, to run the data and to just find out. It's something that I advocate for in myself. It's like, I'm going to find out, even if this is ugly, even if I find the nastiest hidden agenda, I'm going to find out. Right. And then from there we can move. But, and I think if people embrace the willingness to find out, they, they, they cross the 50% threshold of like doing the work. The willingness to find out is rare. Um, and something else you said stood out a bit, which was these emotions, like that a lot of times you're finding that these emotions come just to reinforce themselves. I'm paraphrasing, and I'm not sure if I heard that right, but that you'll get, you'll have an emotion and it's maybe, maybe this rings a bell, what I'm pointing at. You said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times if I have this core assumption, it's so deeply ingrained in my psyche that maybe I'm not enough. A lot of times the feeling of sadness will come to try to perpetuate that core assumption or like it just, yeah, it like reaffirms like, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh yeah. I feel sad. Of course I'm not good enough. It's like, it's just like this perpetual cycle. And a lot of times the emotion is directly arising from the belief or from the assumption in a way where if I try to make myself feel better without addressing the assumption, it's always going to be like a patch that doesn't actually solve the problem. So if you haven't heard, have you heard of the emotional guidance system? No, I haven't. This is like my favorite. When I first found this, I was like, no way. Oh my God, this makes so much sense. So um, the emotional guidance system is simple and I recommend committing it to memory as like a law of the universe, at least a law of the sentient universe. And that is the better you feel, the more true or aligned your thought is. So every thought is attached to some sort of a feeling. And the better you feel as you're thinking that thought, the more consistent with God or consistent with source or aligned in harmonious in harmony with the universe, your thought was. So it's just more true. You're seeing it more clearly. It's more objective. It's more accurate. And the worse you feel, the le- the less accurately you're interpreting an otherwise neutral reality. So you're pacing an interpretation on mm-hmm. things that is inconsistent with how God sees it or how uh, mm-hmm. how it actually is. So it's less objective. It's more biased. Um, and okay. So let's just start, stop there for a second. How, how does that land for you? All right. I was a little confused, not going to lie as you were first explaining it. And 
I'm curious if this is like what you were saying. What I was hearing is like the core belief is something I'm adding on top of my experience of self or reality. It's not actually true. It's like something I'm adding on top of it. And when I see through it, or I see that reality is neutral, it just is, it's not good or bad. It just is. And that actually generates more positive feelings because I'm not interpreting experience negatively when it doesn't need to be interpreted. Okay, cool. I think that you're making it a little more complex than it needs to be. Um, <laughs> when you're seeing everything objectively, you feel amazing. You're in bliss. You're in like nirvana. If you're objective, okay. if you're seeing without any personal intervention whatsoever, you're absolutely blissed out. This is a, a high level awakening state. No? Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, that's accurate saying. That's objective saying. That's without the interference of human thought. An interpretation. So any any interpretation is going to reduce the the positive feeling because it's less so objective. Any yeah 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 any interpretation already reduces it from that total objective state. Mm -hmm. Yet the spectrum is still there. So the still you can be interpreting something closer like there's a spectrum oh, you can be interpreting right. something more true, which mm -hmm. would be like I I don't know maybe in your case it's like when you have those realizations like, whoa, I'm not unworthy. And like, just to be like, damn, I'm actually amazing. Mm -hmm. And I could do anything. These thoughts feel good, especially if, if it's real, you know, if it's not just affirmations like shattered in the mirror, but when it's like, well, you, you actually kind of get a, you get an insight that like, oh, I could do anything. The world is my oyster. This feels good. And the good feeling, the feeling the feeling, the only thing that a feeling is, is data about how accurately you're interpreting reality. So the worse you feel, it's just data. You feel really bad. You're feeling like sad, down on yourself, depressed, lethargic. It seems really convincing in the moment. It seems like it's you're seeing things accurately. But actually, if you trust the emotional guidance system or subscribe to it even temporarily, if you just try on the emotional guidance system, you'll notice that the worse you feel, the more wrong you are. Mm -hmm. You're just wrong. You're like not seeing it clear at all. You're far off, like way far away. You can just be like discredited, discredited. Never mind. Never mind. This is useless. Don't even need to, don't need to entertain any of this. I can go play basketball or whatever, like irrelevant what I'm thinking right now. It's just not true. And the more, so actually I used to have a little exercise I did in my phone for 10 years probably based on this. Um, and when I was low, like in some sort of a low mood, feeling insecure, I would write, I would write questions to myself basically. Like, am I really horrible or like whatever my, you know, I would be like, Oh, did I embarrass myself so much by saying this? Like I would, I would just ask questions. Like, was there whatever it was, or it'd be questions or assertions. I would just sort of do a little, journal entry sort of mm -hmm. um, from that low state. And then when I felt really clear and aligned and available and whole later, I would go back and answer. And over the months and the years, it just became so obvious. It was like, I kept saying the same thing. I was like, no, no, <laughs> dude. like bless your heart that you thought that again, but it's not the case. It's just really convincing when we're low, but um, so you can kind of prove it to yourself. Like if you actually take it on, you can kind of prove that the the better you feel, the more accurately you're seeing things. Then people like to make all kinds of cases like, um, 
you know, I feel bad about, I broke my arm and I feel really bad about that because it hurt. And, or, you know, something objectively bad happened. So I should feel bad about that. There's a few answers to that. One is when you feel bad about something and it's aligned to feel bad, it doesn't feel bad. So even if you're grieving, Mm -hmm. but it's appropriate, it feels whole. Like it feels true. It doesn't feel like uh, you're not suffering over the suffering, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So anyway, how's all that land for you? Good. Yeah. My, my initial thought was like, what, what are the implications of this? What, like, how do I actually use this? And I think you started to answer it with your, you ask yourself, is this like true? Did this act, is this belief actually true? And then answering it in a positive state and like kind of counteract, counteracting that belief. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause what I was sitting with was, yeah. Like, how do I, I imagine that some people would hear this and then they would have a negative experience and then they would like try to like repress it and feel positive because that's more true or something. And from what I hearing you say is when it's a negative feeling, it's not trying to get rid of it, but it's like bringing a curiosity to it or, or all of the stories and narratives and thoughts that arise from that negative state, like starting to doubt them a little bit. Um, nice. That, that in and of itself is, is, Yeah, because it's like when I'm in a depress when we're in depressed states, it feel everything feels so true. Our thoughts feel so true. Yeah, and exactly. so and so what I'm hearing you say and what feels like really what I feel a lot of resonance with is that the way to get out of that state is not to try to stop the state from happening, but to start to notice that all of the stories that I'm in, maybe they're not true. Exactly. Maybe I can have my experience of life, of reality without believing so affirmatively that all of these things that I think about myself, about how bad I am and how I'm awkward and weird and odd and not enough and worthless. And maybe those aren't true. And, and yeah, something, something I want to bring up too, is like the process you said, it's like you did it for like 10 years or something. And I've noticed in myself, it's like, it feels like year by year, I'm subtly chiseling away at it. And it's like this very slow progress. And it's like, part of me really just wants to like, see it as clearly as possible and just let go of it and have this like huge insight where I just realized that not enoughness is not true. But in my experience, it feels more like every month, I, I it feels a little bit less true. <laughs> and it's just like slowly and slowly feeling less true, but it's nothing like fast or rapid. I had this, uh, cause I have the same bias as you. I like to be a fast learner and like, just like crush it and like beast through things and like everything in the rear view mirror. But I, uh, like a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago, I just decided that I'm a turtle. Like I'm a tortoise and I'm not the hare. And like, I always get there. Like I always get there in retrospect, but when mm-hmm. I'm trying to like, it's some things I can learn super fast, any game I can learn super fast. But, um, in terms of like development, it just happens I just had to sort of admit that this is the way it usually goes. I'm not the, you know, I'm not the Eckhart Tolle's of the bunch. I'm the like, (laughs) you know, I put in the time and over time it pays off. Mm -hmm. And one other thing I just wanted to make sure I said, so it sounds like what you're doing with um, this inquiry that you do after an awkward night out 
It sounds a lot like cognitive behavioral therapy. Have you heard that? I've not had that reflection before, no. You know about cognitive behavioral therapy? Kind of, not really. I, I read like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy for dummies once because I wanted to get up to speed on it. And um, it's basically, it's first of all, it's like one of the very few um, uh, tools, techniques that's a, that's relatively effective, that's more effective than not. So more than most medicines and other modalities, it actually works for people who have anxiety and depression to just do the work to like put in the time on this type of self-inquiry. So there's a handful of questions. I love these questions. I have them on my phone um, that just get you to the bottom of like, is this true? Is it true what I'm thinking? Like, am I catastrophizing? Am I labeling this? Am I blowing this out of proportion? Am I, um, whatever there's, I think there's like 12 or 14. If you want, I can send them to you after, but it sounds like what you're, doing. Um, and it does the same thing as just doing this emotional guidance system exercise that I described. It just gradually destabilizes how convincing that low energy is. Mm -hmm. It like, it just fucks it up. It like can't convince you so much anymore. So yeah. what used to be really convincing and like the most like complete gravity, like, oh, this is the truth. I have always sucked. I will always suck this timeline is my timeline. And it, whenever I feel better, I'm just being delusional. Mm. It, it's, it, it starts to, it starts to start feeling like the illusion instead of the positive feelings, feeling like the illusion from its perspective. And now this is certain for me. And I didn't used to, I used to have some fits of depression. I never do anymore. Like now, anytime I feel bad, it's like, okay, okay. What am I falling for? <laughs> like what lie am I falling for? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and how I see it is like that. And it's like a lot of times, if I'm having a bunch of stories about myself, they're all coming from one thing. Or like a lot of times, it's like, there's this core, there's this core thing that is showing up in all of these different ways and all of these different thoughts and stories that I have about something. And so it's like, I counteract all the stories and also inquire to like what is that core story that's that's making me have all of these thoughts and like uh in when I say it's like gradual as well I've been framing it as like if I just go in my room and do this for like 10 hours I could get somewhere but when I go and get triggered by something in a relationship it's a very easy way to see what is actually there because every time I get triggered it's like an opportunity to see what that story is and to experience it viscerally nice to the point where I like the inquiry feels more effective after it being triggered than it does nice. just sitting in silence and trying to find it or something. I, I love it. I have the same thing. It's almost like chasing triggers mm -hmm. because triggers are basically what were we talking about before you started recording about the gremlin, about sort of finding your shadow or finding your blind spots mm -hmm. and trigger, triggers are where you can find them because we have beliefs about everything. We have beliefs about everything, but they don't matter. Who cares? Those beliefs aren't affecting us. Mm -hmm. You know, we have beliefs about gravity and time and space and whatever. It doesn't matter. But beliefs that result in triggers, those are the ones too. Those are the ones that actually limit us. That's like so, where the attachment is. Right. So it's where we're not free. 
Mm-hmm. So I love it. Like chasing triggers, I think is like one of the most epic lifestyles. Yeah, absolutely. I like how you said that's where we're not free because that's something that I've been sitting with as well is the more that the more that these assumptions about myself and feelings of lack like rule my life, the less free I feel because I'm constantly feeling constricted and low energy and low state and sad and depressed because because it's like the filter that I'm viewing everything through. And when I, when I am able to see them clearly and let them go, it's like a, I, I guess this is what you were talking about with the emotional guidance system is it just feels inherently better. It just feels like, yeah, I guess, I guess the emotional guidance, I guess I'm seeing, starting to see what you were saying more as we're talking because yeah, a lot of times when I, all right, another way I've been framing this process, which I think relates is when I'm having a trigger where I'm like deep in a story, a lot of times it actually relates to this whole life story that I have about myself. So a lot of times it's like, why do, like, what is the story I have about my life that makes it feel like this is the identity that I need? Is there any way to experience this without the whole life story behind it and to just like see that that's not true and then to just experience the trigger without the story and somehow that feels it feels to me easier to let go of the trigger when i'm when i'm not letting myself believe the entire life story that made this trigger feel true it's like oh i was in high school and i was awkward and i was the outcast and that means that that's who i am now or something and when i like just like see that that's not that's not here it's not something that's happening right now it just feels inherently more true to experience things without it. And, and it feels inherently more, the more truthful the experience feels, the lighter it feels and the more free it feels because like to hold this story about, I act this way because X, Y, Z, it like, it's like a burden almost, or just like, it's just like heavy. Totally. One thing that can help, a little exercise, a little, a little hack, if you want, mm-hmm. is to admit defeat to the belief. So say your belief is that you're awkward or whatever, that you're, that you're unworthy because you're awkward and you always have been awkward. Instead of searching for the counter example, because actually what would, what would somebody who doesn't have that trigger say or think they'd be like yeah yeah i am a little awkward sometimes like and (laughs) right so but actually just to be like i am i was awkward as fuck and like i've i still can be kind of awkward and i or whatever i'm not sure exactly what your belief is i i've been a weirdo and i am actually and but like to just uh, admit it, like to just admit the weirdness or admit the thing that you feel you're sort of trying to find evidence against. Mm-hmm. And to see that even if you were, it basically not only accepts yourself, it accepts that trait in the world. It's like, no, I'm the one deciding what's okay and what's not okay. I'm the one that's deciding what's to be accepted and what's not to be accepted. And weirdness and awkwardness, and that's to be accepted. That's fine. I actually am sometimes and people can be that way. 
And it's okay if people are like that. And it has nothing to do with uh, any judgments that follow that. It has nothing to do with unworthiness. Even if it's unworthiness, you'd be like, I am unworthy. You can do it to anything. I, oh, dang. I was, I was about to respond and be like, yeah, even with awkwardness, we can choose to see that as like, that is not because I'm awkward. That does not mean that I'm not enough. But then you just took it a level deeper and it was like, oh, and the not enoughness is okay too. Yeah, I'm not enough. Or whatever. What's like the worst thing? To, but because what that does is, it's like if you're, <clears throat> I don't know. It's like you're in business with somebody, and it's just this is just being like, no, cool, you can have it. <laughs> it's like I'm actually just done, yeah. all good. I'm I don't want to do the transaction anymore. Like I don't. I give you my attention, and in turn, you give me this identity. No, good. I'm unworthy. You can have it. You can keep that. Yeah, it's like not feeling the fire anymore. Yeah. No, it's another way to set yourself free. Doesn't, you know, you don't don't cling to it as like the only route, but it mm-hmm. I know people who have like transformed with this. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I had so much come up. Let me sit with it for a second. Um take your time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure where to go with this, but I will say all right, I guess there's two things coming up. One is I think we talked about this a little bit before the podcast started, but a lot of this work to me feels like seeing things clearly. What I was hearing you say when you were talking about the business transaction was a lot of times something when we resist something or push or pull against it, it makes it feel so much more real. And when we just stop like engaging in the push and pull, it actually goes away because we're just kind of like letting it be as it is. You can have it. This is okay. As it is, I don't need to like um, do so much compensating for it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, It's like somehow everything I do when I'm trying to prove to myself that I am enough because I have the belief that I'm not enough, that actually like reaffirms the not enoughness because I'm saying you're real and I'm going to resist you and try to not feel like I'm not enough. But actually the the resisting is like actually proving, it's actually proving it true. It's actually fueling the belief Whereas like, it feels like the freedom component is, is seeing it as clearly as possible, becoming conscious of it to the point where either I see that I'm generating it or I just notice it and there's, and there's complete allowance of it to the point where I can act from a place of enoughness because I'm also accepting the not enoughness or something like that. Explain this last piece. Say again. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Like said another way. I 
when I resist the not enoughness, I'm always at like also acting from that place because all my actions are a resistance to it. Whereas when I allow it, it's actually like coming from a place of enoughness because, and this is what I heard you saying with, with your technique was like, when I just give into it and say, you're right, you're true. It actually like paradoxically ends up coming from a place of enoughness because enoughness is like, I'm showing up from a place where the not enoughness. Where you don't care. Where, yeah. It's like, it's, like, I, it's like, it's like, because you were like in, it's like the whole world was that business. Like you were just in that business and you were looking through the lens of the business success. And you're like, oh, I, I'm good. I actually don't need it. Like, I don't need to do it at all. Uh-huh. All yours. I don't care if I lose this game because there's, that's not the game I even wanted to be playing in the first place. Like you can win. Right. Right. And I think that's one of the main reasons people stick with this is a gremlin. You know, I'm unworthy is a gremlin. One of the things we were talking about before mm-hmm. um, people stick with it. One of the main reasons is because of sunk costs. They've just already invested so much in this business. They have so much to, it's like, the, it's like they don't believe that they can just be like, never mind. They it's like, they have to negotiate and, and take what was theirs and decide what was not theirs. And, Mm-hmm. And do the work and heal it and da, 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 da. and often I mean, in some cases, there's some additional sort of peripheral damage that needs to be cleaned up. but it, but these things aren't they're never as complex as we think. Like mm-hmm. the people who have these awakenings or the people who have real breakthroughs in these, they always say at some point it just flipped. At some point they at some point, there was a choice. At some point, there's a choice. And until then, there's just a bunch of mm-hmm thinking and strategizing and trying to trying basically. But then at some point, if you just keep at it and you keep your attention, you keep sort of refining where you're coming from, you'll find the choice point. And you, mm-hmm. and this is one of the, this is one of the hacks in a way, like mm-hmm. a, a shortcut to the choice point. Right. To admit defeat. I, li- I like the, the choice point way of describing it. Um, but yeah, I think it's the same thing I was trying to get at, which is, when I see it clearly enough, I see the way that I'm actually choosing to have that assumption. And I can actually eventually, if I see it clearly, choose to not have that assumption. Nice. Yeah. It's kind of like surgery, like auto surgery on yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I, and I like, all right, before we started, you also talked about like relative versus absolute and how like a lot of your work relates to this relative process um, and something I was sitting with is like yeah like there's definitely like i think it's really valuable to engage in like deep awakening work trying to become conscious of the absolute but also on the relative level in my eyes like the act of like just introspecting is like it almost gets us closer to the the work it, or like i don't see them as entirely different um i'm curious how this lands because it's like when i when i see clearly this all right if I have this identity of not enoughness and I see it clearly enough and I change it well then it almost implies an absolute inquiry as well because it's like who am I if I can just change my identity from one thing to another I can't be either of them because now I've been in both of them and so almost in my eyes it's like it it feels like they just feed off of each other both totally both of their pursuits it totally they feed off each other I like how you said that I remember one of my best sort of deepest my first maybe my first like sort of self-realization experience was after a phase of like 
extreme discipline, like building up my discipline, building up my confidence, building up my like empowerment, basically, Mm -hmm. like just becoming on point and reliable. And if I said I was going to do something, I did it. And I just experienced myself as awesome. And like, I can do anything. And when I finally, I was in a darkness retreat, actually kind of amping this up in a darkness retreat. And then on the last day, I didn't meditate the whole time. And on the last day for one hour, I was like, okay, let's do this. And I spent about 45 minutes and I just hit this, this penetration deeper than I, deeper than ever in any of my meditation before. Sort of my first self-realization experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have no question that it has to do with just building up the, the relative work it's like yeah they completely strengthen each other sort Mm -hmm. of the the more yeah the more it's like the more focused you are the more or like the stronger your concentration you could say the more you can isolate what you are from what you're not because the biggest obstacle is sitting down asking trying to get at the root of it and then having a million distractions come up. Oh my God. Oh, and honesty, honesty is crucial with this because if you're, if you'll fall for any, anything that sort of appeases your ego, anything that makes you feel good about the work you've done. Like if you've been meditating and you're like, okay, I think I've gone enough for today or nice, you know, or I don't think I can, you know, this is, I think where it ends for today or whatever it is. Like if you can fall for your thoughts or if you can sort of appease yourself or accommodate yourself or make yourself feel good or um, yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to get there. But if you can be like bullshit, like I call bullshit, that's not, you know, that's not actually, that's not actually true. Um, And same with exactly what you're describing of like, if you can peel off a whole chunk of you, that's not you. If you can be like, oh shit, I was identifying with this and now it's not me. Just doing that once, if you can do that once, it's over. Like, you know, you can do it anywhere. You can always do that now. Like, you know, you're not that thing that you are identifying with for your whole life. I mean, really just doing it once is like you break the, you break the veil a little bit. Like you have a permanent light shining through the veil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to bring in, I want to bring in relationships into this because it feels like they're intimately related. Um, when I'm working, when I'm doing this introspective process, when I'm becoming aware, when I'm seeing the choice point, as you call it, and I'm choosing differently, this, in my eyes, inevitably shapes how I'm showing up in my relationships. And in my eyes, the 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 more clear I become of the identities that I'm choosing the healthier my relationships get or the more capacity I have for honesty and integrity in my relationships. Because if I'm not aware of them, I'm always going to be showing up in a way that is acting from them or compensating from them. So when we were talking about how a lot of our behavior is coming from compensating for these feelings of lack, even if whether or not we realize it, a lot of times when we show up in relationship, these, the ways we communicate and the emotions that we have that we communicate inevitably are trying to get something. 
elicit a behavior in the other person that makes us feel less lack. Nice. And so I'm not sure exactly where to take this, but I'm curious how that lands for you and how you experience being in relationship with another person um, platonically or intimately, whatever context it may be and showing up in a way, I guess, I guess the whole thing I'm shooting for is how do we show up in a way where we're not subtly asking or needing something from the other person, but just appreciating the relationship itself in the experience of being in relationship. And when there's absolutely no, no, no asks from the other person. So cool. I don't think there's a better like boot camp for this work than in platonic and intimate relationships. I really think that's where all the action is pretty much. Um, and a couple of things come to mind. One is, well, first of all, you don't, you won't ever really get there. Like until you are fully like nirvana, like self-realized, no person left. There's always going to be, you can always find more. You can yeah. always find another level of like, ah, oh, fuck. Even if you're, if, even if you just really want them to wake up and it's pure generosity, but it's like, I would get joy if you, even if I'm fully blissed out, but I would be a little more blissed out if you would have your awakening. It's still some sort of consumption, no? So like the spectrum of consumption is consumption to to creation, you could say. Well, Where, What's cons- what do you mean? Cons- so consumption is like, I'm trying to get something out of you okay. for myself. Okay. Uh, it's like absorbing, leaching, consumption though. It's just like- yeah. Consuming it, from the other. Yeah, person. exactly. Yeah. Versus generosity, you can say. Or radiance or yeah. So I've been through many phases of this, like many improvements in this, you can say. Uh one uh years ago, I just saw, like for the first time in my life, I saw how almost everything I did was manipulative. And when you see that once, it's like it was like at least a week of being disgusted with myself and not being able to be with anybody. Like I just was like, Oh, like even when I was alone, I was, I was like narrating my moves in case someone asked me what I was up to or like, I was aware of how it would look. I was, I was like constantly in a state. I could just see this whole layer of personality that was just like looking for validation and confirmation and, and, uh, acknowledgement, positive acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so to see that is it has a similar effect where if you can, if you can see it, if you can grab it, if you can be like, Oh, Whoa, that's not me. But I, I've been l- just living and breathing that for most of my life. But like, I'm actually aware of that just to get a little space between me and that whole program is a huge step. So, and I don't think you can do that if you don't have a lot of honesty, like you have to have that willingness that we talked about in the beginning. Like you got to want to see it. You got to be willing to find out. Right. And most people just don't want to find out, you know, they don't want that alone time. They don't want to hear the feedback. They don't want to find out what the actual, what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. So if you have the willingness to find out, you'll, you will, you'll, you will find out. So careful what you wish for. Yeah. Um, and then like nowadays, something I, I still use just to check, and actually I, I give, I give this as a tool to people like regularly when I'm coaching people or my teammates or whatever, 
mm-hmm. is <clears throat> to actually tell themselves, I don't want anything from you to, and, and to tell them that, tell themselves that, but then to actually compare that with how they feel just to find out like, okay, I'm going to say, okay, I don't want anything from my ex. I don't want anything from my ex. And then just to be like, wait, except maybe. So if you can say that, if you can say, I don't want anything from you, even with the person you're sitting across from at the coffee shop, Mm -hmm. like there's nothing you could give me. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't give me anything. Like you couldn't make me feel better. You couldn't, you can boost my ego. You couldn't make me feel gratified. Like there's nothing you have to give me. I'm here for you. I'm paying attention to you. I'm here with you. I'm interested. Like, let's create like just a radiance, like a generosity in your energy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is something I, I I think about a lot and I prioritize a lot. Like if I can feel like I'm kind of subtly trying to get, mm, um, just a reminder like, oh yeah, there's nothing you have for me. The best case scenario is genuine conversation. That something mm-hmm. happens. That's that me being authentic and you being authentic creates something new, and mm-hmm. we can both be inspired by that, or 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 curious about that. Right. Yeah, and it feels like the same thing we were talking about earlier, where a lot of times the ways I want something from another person only show up after I've. A lot of times I'll have a conversation with someone and then I'll come home and I'll sit with it and I'll feel this like pang in my chest and I'll sit with it. And I'm like, why is there this pang in my chest? And it's like, oh, actually, the only reason I told them X, Y and Z was to get something. And when I like feel that the only reason I told them something was to was to feel something in return, it's like not a good feeling at all. It's just like it's like it hurts. It's just a pang. And yeah, I imagine when you say like there's always more until we reach Nirvana. I was also getting that like spectrum, that degree thing, where it's like, yeah, what what degree of more is there, or like how how close am I to not needing anything? Because I imagine like yeah, there's there's very like needy energies, and there's also like kind of very subtle, but but like higher awareness of the ways that I need. And maybe it, it still happens, but there's, um, I like how you put commitment to honesty. Cause I also see that as like, yeah, without, without really valuing honesty, how am I going to ever get it? Like the truth of how I'm relating to people and how I'm showing up. Um, nice. You're definitely like, on a good track. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's like, it's so interesting because like recently I've been doing this work so much. And then in the last couple of days, there's just been this frustration of like, why can't I find anything else? It feels so foggy. I'm also, I'm almost noticing this part of myself where it's like, as I'm becoming more honest, there's something that like wants to stop the honesty or it's like so uncomfortable that I like to start feeling like foggy sometimes, or it's like, I don't know, there's like all these things happening that are like, I'm sitting with and it's like now it just feels like I the progress has stopped or something like that and it's just so interesting to me how many layers there are and as I as I've been doing this 
I've like read about this for a while and like been thinking about it, but only in the past like month have I like actually been contemplating it. It's very, I had this distinction where I'm like, oh yeah, actually just sitting in silence is like one of the best things I can do because that's, that's when I can actually, the truth, the honesty can start to arise. If, if I'm distracting myself, it never has a chance to arise in the first place. So true. Um, yeah, I'm curious. I think you already expressed some of your techniques that you use, but I'm curious how you sit with or how you inquire into like these unconscious motivations um, or like what is your what is your process of trying to notice what the motivations are within yourself? Okay, hold that question. Can you I'll <laughs> ask you to ask me again? I just had one thing I wanted to comment on. Okay. So when you are doing inquiry into like your true motivations or you know, you're trying to be honest and you're trying to like sift through these different like layers of thoughts, like you were saying, and it gets cloudy. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, it's just like, wait, where even am I? It's like, you're out on a limb. Are you even on the right course anymore? What are you wasting your time? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's like, it's almost makes you just want to be like, never mind, never mind. Like, sorry, I went too far. I don't know. Um, this is this is a crux like the this is such an important point right there it's like when the it's almost like the hero's journey it's like you're out and you're about to you're about to come into a clearing um so the thing to do is to up your up your power like like this and truly like just straight up power like i got this no 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 i am on track I like, I'm just coming up against something and my, my gremlin or my ego is using its best skills to get me to pump the brakes, get a little confused, pick up my phone. I need to go make something to eat. It's like, it's just trying to like jam the signal. Mm -hmm. So especially if you're on a trail, like if you're hunting something and you're on the trail and then it starts to get cloudy up your power, it's just important. Maybe mm -hmm. just log that in the, on the back somewhere in the background and it, it might come in handy for you at some point. Okay. So your question was, Oh, my, my, what, my techniques. How you, yeah. How do you in your life find unconscious motivations or, or what have you found most helpful in the effort to, to see what the actual motivations are that you have in relationship? Yeah. Okay. This is going to be the, f I don't think I've really talked about this before because I'm realizing it's a little subtle. So I'll do my best. So I think um, like hidden agendas. Oh, there's different ways I could talk about this. So maybe I'll start gross and then get subtle. Um So so that when I when I was describing that moment where I like saw that everything I was doing was manipulative I was actually doing a practice that led to that and the practice I still bring this practice up every once in a while and it's just why did I do that that's it just why did I send that emoji? Why did I not? Why did I smile? Why did I say this? Why did I? And it can be, it can create almost like a, almost like a, just like a, a clusterfuck of thoughts. So I don't really recommend it to everybody. It can be, people can kind of use it to like get anxious and that's not the, 
it's not, it's, there's no uh, judgment. It's just why yeah. there's no, you don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to, it's just a private finding out skill. Like, why did I do that? Oh, oh, wow. And I remember sitting at dinner across from this girl and she was talking, some other people were there and I could just feel like the way I looked up and like made eye contact and was kind of, I didn't actually care what she was saying, but I wanted to give her the impression that I was like with her and on her team, like just to create some sort of like camaraderie. Um, and just to be like, whoa, oh my God, I'm constantly manipulating people. I'm constantly doing, I'm constantly doing things like this, like just totally innocent, you know, totally justifiable. Nobody else would ever call me out for that. Nobody mm-hmm. will ever even see it. Like I, I'm the sole, uh, I'm the only person who can find this. And, but the whole, the whole, uh, practice was, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why did I type that? Why did I say it like that? Why did I preface it with, this is just what I think, but here, <laughs> like this, you can do it on everything, like your whole personality, like your whole, especially in speech. Like, I think, especially in communication, it's like, why did I communicate that? Why did I give that little disclaimer? Why did I? So that's a great one. That's a great one if you're if you're vigilant about not letting it devolve into a judgment. Like, oh, I'm just such a liar. And no point. There's no point. Everybody's a liar. <laughs> everybody's everybody's a fake. Yeah. And that's and that's totally fine. The only all we're doing is getting more integrity, more honesty, more transparency. But everybody, everybody's a little manipulative shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had something else. I might have to remember how you asked your question. Conscious motivations. Oh, right. In relationships. Okay, so this has been more lately. Um, yeah, so, so one thing I found when I can find like, uh, an incoherent thread, like a mixed frequency where I'm like nine, nine threads are going forward and then one is kind of doing this. So I'll check it out. I recently found one. I recently found that I still have some FOMO. Like I still have a little FOMO thread that, that just kind of pulls me like, Whoa, I like, instead of staying present with what really matters to me, I'm still kind of like able to be tempted you know, in a, in a direction, if it's a good enough opportunity or, um, and okay. So, but this is the subtle thing and what I found, or maybe I just decided this is in truth, I have no mixed frequencies in truth. I'm single stream. Like I know exactly what I'm doing. Like ultimately what I am is, the calling that created my life. It's like, I have one, even you could say like, when I really listen to guidance, when I really listen to God or myself or source or the universe, there's just one stream of guidance. It's not confusing. So the confusion or the other, it's not me. These other things don't even need to be healed because it's not me. I just haven't totally tuned my, my radio station dial to hundred percent me. Mm. I'm still sort of like partially, uh, I still have some lack. I still have some potential lack. So in a way, 
it doesn't need to be, this isn't, I don't think that everybody can do this. So that's why I'm, I haven't said this out loud and I'm, and I hesitate to like prescribe this. Um, but it's been cool to see how, how fast I can shift lately by, by using this. So finding that little, um, off frequency or that hidden agenda, you know, that little FOMO hidden agenda, Mm -hmm. I can just be like, Oh, this is evidence of me not being fully attuned to myself, uh, being not totally congruent, being not totally harmonious with what I really am. It's me being something I'm not. Like it's me still hanging on to something that's not me. So let me just shift. Like, let me just turn it back to me instead of trying to deal with this, instead of trying to heal it or see where it came from or see what, um, you know, what other implications it has, or let me just hop timelines, basically, like shift parallel realities. Um, and it comes with an amount of trust that really what I am, not only on like a God, infinite light, you know, enlightened, not only in that way, but like really what I am as a being mm -hmm. is single stream. It's like, I'm, I trust that. So any incoherence, it's not, um, so, and I, I actually, I could see how if misused, this would be bypassing. Like mm -hmm. if it could be really easy to take this advice and then use it to justify like bypassing and suppressing and not doing the work. Yeah. So there, it actually relies on a really high degree of self-honesty and trust and like just knowing what you actually are and just having found a little like thread sticking out and being like, cool, not playing that game. Like not, not me. Does it make sense? Kind of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I got like 50%. Maybe um, I'll, I'll get more articulate about this and make a reel in the next <laughs> couple of weeks. <laughs> no, I, I think I get it. I'm, I'm, as I'm sitting with it, there's a, there's a few different things coming up because I feel like I'm on the precipice of like it clicking. Um, yeah. But it's something like, this This is not fully how I'm understanding it, but this feels adjacently related. And I think it may help. When I'm, you said, all right, at one point you said not going into the full reason why I have this thing and trying to heal it. And I think that's the point that stuck out to me most. And I think that's how like the thread we can take into this because it feels like if I'm experiencing myself clearly, I have radical degree of clarity around who I am. It doesn't have to be like all the way full like self-realization. If I'm like experiencing what it feels like to be aware of myself right now as truthfully as I can a lot of times to feel to feel like a fragmented part of myself and to try to like work on it feels like a detour and I think that's what I what I heard you getting at if I feel like oh I feel this emotion I I or let's just say like a fear like I have a fear of coming across a certain way to a person and I don't want to be seen in this way. 
to try to like heal that and to like go into the whole kind of psychotherapeutic um, journaling process around it, a lot of times feels like it's missing the mark or it's like not actually fully going to heal it. And a mm -hmm. lot of times it's like, there's this fear showing up in me with certain sensations. And if I can just stay with the clarity of who I am, a lot of times those sensations can just like, a lot of times the dissonance can like dissolve, not through going and healing the thing, but in just noticing exactly how the thing is showing up in me right now. And just like, seeing that I don't need to create that dissonance and then coming back to self is almost what I was hearing. Mm -hmm. Does that land with what you were trying to communicate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I also, I like what you bring in of like feeling it in real time, um, like feeling the fear or feeling the FOMO or feeling the whatever in real time and just letting that sort of move through. Um. I, I do think there are some schools of thought that like way overdo that, like mm. feel everything, like let it wash through you. The only way over something is through it or whatever, like where people would like almost just linger in sensation and, and um, sort of states they don't want sort of in under the, in the name of not bypassing. It's almost like a reaction to bypassing. <clears throat> so but for sure with this, I was like, I just I probably had 10 minutes. I was laying in bed, looking at the ceiling, like I often do. It's like how you like to just, uh, what are you saying? Just thinking with no distractions. Did you say that? Or just being, being alone, being. Yeah. Just being alone. Yeah. With everything that's present and not like, yeah. Needing to distract myself from the. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. I usually do it looking at the ceiling for whatever reason that, um, and it, it was just like, oh my God, hi. Like, look at this feeling. I actually feel like I could miss out. Like, I believe that I could, like, that there could be a, an open door for me and I could miss it. And that would reduce the quality of my life or or the mission or whatever. Like, it's lack. I believe in some lack. And it's totally reasonable. It's like, yeah, maybe you do miss a door. Maybe that, da, da, da. it's justifiable. I could build the case. But I could see that it stemmed from lack and I could feel the FOMO. It's almost like a distractibility or like a temptability, like a something could impress me. Something aside from self-realization and generosity and just radiating, something could impress me. And I could go get into consumption and think I could get something out of following that thread of an impressive thing. So when I saw that, I, all it took was just to see it. And feel it. Just like, ah, oh, that's what it is. Ah, oh, it feels like FOMO. It comes from lack. Nice. Not me. Not me. Definitely not me. There's no lack in the universe. You know, no, like for sure. That's not, that's not the, that's not uh, one of the building blocks of, I'm not going to fall for that. It's just, uh, it's just the gremlin. It's just the ego. It's just mm -hmm. one, of, it's just one of the subtle ways. Yeah. I, what I hear you saying now is like, what I'm hearing is almost like all right, the inquiry process that we were talking about at the beginning, where it's like, what's underneath this? Why did I do this? What I'm hearing you say now is it's almost like that, but like more direct, like just like a little bit more direct. Like I can go through the whole inquiry process or I can just sit with the thing and just get directly at it. And it's just like, there's lack. There doesn't need to be lack. And let me just go back to 
not believing in this lack and just experiencing wholeness. Yeah. So, okay. And yes, I super operate this way. And I've been, people have disagreed with me over the years. People have, you know, so I know that there are other approaches and some people really advocate for um, like going in and finding, finding out where it came from or like what happened in your childhood. And I've gone through some of those processes with people and I've seen it, I've seen it on, you know, like I've seen it bring cool things up and cause some interesting shifts for people. And so I'm not, a, I'm not against it. Um, I even like it. It's even entertaining. It feels almost like entertainment, you know, it's like interesting. It's like spilling, we're spilling the tea. We're finding out the deets, like what happened. <laughs> so, and that's, I can kind of feel the indulgence of that. Like when I'm getting into that, like, Oh, I don't know. It feels like a soap opera, which is fun and helps. It can help. But um, for sure, I err on the side of just do the work. Like, let's just do it. What actually gets it done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like at different phases of the process too, different different techniques. Like if it's just, yeah. like just starting out and like, yeah, well, one thing that came up recently was why is it so hard for so many people to meditate? And it's like, when you're just starting out, when you sit down and like stop the distractions, everything comes to the surface all at once. And it's just like overwhelmingly, like like just a little bit more honesty brings up so much, which is so why med- I think meditation is so hard for so many people. And so it's like at the beginning, when in that phase where like meditation is really hard, maybe the psychotherapeutic is a little bit, yeah, it is a little bit more entertaining, but also like you're going into it a little bit slower and you're you're not being exposed to so much of I like it that. so fast and then I'm almost seeing it how I frame it is like once I do enough of that the the degree of honesty that I have with myself slowly increases and then maybe I get to a point where oh I can actually just go a little bit more direct it's not as painful because I've kind of built the honesty muscle a little bit um, whereas I imagine if some people tried the technique that you're proposing right away it could just be like no oh my god too much stuff like (laughs) i I can't look at this everything all the no it triggers people it really i mean we've i've had some some sort of backlash experiences because basically people have to come to terms with oh i've been bullshitting or i've been i've been deceiving myself and others i've been i've been nasty in my i've been putting up with like bad behavior out of integrity behavior i've been manipulative and if somebody isn't really ready to just, if somebody doesn't have enough sort of stability in themselves to own that and be like, true, all good. Yeah. Okay. Now what? But if it's, it, it's so confronting. So either they have to, they have to do something they've never done before, which is to, to acknowledge and admit and sort of hold space for their own manipulation, their own strategic um, games mm-hmm. or the alternative is to make the whole thing wrong. It's just to be like, fuck this, like, you know, dangerous or, um, you know, bad approach doesn't work Mm -hmm. and they'll just reject meditation or they'll reject this type of work and they'll, you know, so I've seen that plenty. So I really don't recommend this. I think it's so smart what you just did. And just to say, depending on where you're at, don't push it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely go way too deep, way too fast. That's yeah. for sure. Especially um, in the world of psychedelics, see, I see it so much. I don't know. It's like yeah. not knowing what you're getting into, and then you have a full P 
pier- piercing the veil and it's just like utterly overwhelming. Um, I, I can definitely relate to those experiences. Um, the last, all right. The last thing I wanted to touch on, we're talking a lot about how do I show up in relationships in a non-manipulative way by noticing my unconscious motivations and seeing what I need from someone else. I also wonder if you've thought about the reverse. If someone else has a strong, they're coming at me with that manipulation, what is a place that I can get to where it doesn't stick or where I'm able, does it have to be like forceful? Like, don't bring this at me. I'm choosing not to relate or like, like, in some settings, I imagine like a hard cutoff or a hard boundary would be really helpful. But in ways where it may be a little bit more subtle, how have you found to, to show up in those relationships in a way where it doesn't, let's just say it doesn't work on you? Yeah, I can hear if some of my friends end up watching this, they're going to be laughing at this part. <laughs> um, yeah, I have like a strong aversion and sensitivity just because the work I've done with myself. So I'm quite sensitive to, uh, to these games and people. And first of all, I have a super high tolerance, so I don't care so much. Most of the time, I think everybody's manipulative to some degree. It's subconscious. We don't know, no bad intentions. There's egos, there's whatever 7.5 billion egos on this planet. So all good forgiven. No biggie. We're all in this together. Um, but there's a line. I do have a line. Um, and the main thing I do is just not, not what they just, just to not be controlled, just to, it's like having a high refresh rate, like being like, like restarting the computer over and over and just being like, I'm free. I'm free. I'm totally free. It doesn't mean I don't commit. I do commit. And I believe in working agreements and I believe in having integrity and being a good friend and following through on commitments, et cetera. So mm-hmm. those are all values for me. Um, but if any, if there's any sort of tactic to get me to do something that somebody wants me to do or whatever, there's so many interesting ways people manipulate, even exclude people exclude each other as ways to, there's a whole world of this. And, um, it's so simple. It just comes back to, am I free though? Am I still free? Am I still aligned? Can I still see clearly or have they, it's basically like what other people's manipulation can do is just like warp your field. You know how if some, if like often people have this with their mom where they're like, clean the dishes and you actually were going to clean the dishes, but now you don't want to. Yeah. So it actually, then that manipulates you because now you don't, you don't do something you already were going to do out of alignment because you don't want to cooperate. So, but if you were free, if you can, if you can restart just like, if you can do that, you can still do whatever's true for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, like that. And it'll frustrate a lot of people, just your ability to stay free. And just like, ah, I'm gonna do what I want. I'm going to do what's true for me. I have my own guidance. I'm actually already good. I don't need, I don't need inputs to orient myself in the world. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when you're free, you're also generous. That just goes hand in hand. So you're also taking care of people. You're also reliable. You also have integrity. You don't need to worry about, um, overlooking people you also listen you know so you don't need to worry about any of those arguments people will for sure try to make to manipulate you 
I really like that. Yeah. I think that was a very easy to understand example. Nice. Of the, the parent asking you to do the dishes. And it's just like how it lands for me is like not being push and pull. It's like if they ask it, I could reject it. Or I could just be like, oh, it's not, I'm not going to allow it to let me to reject it or to like need the approval and attach onto it. It's just like, it's like, what is the impulse within me? And whatever they yeah. say doesn't change that impulse and that I act on that natural impulse remains nice. the same, whether or not that's, that's, that's how I heard what you were saying. Yeah. Um, noticing it's an hour and a half. Um, do you have a hard stop? Nope. Okay. Awesome. I have, all right. There's one more, there's one more thing I wanted to loop in. I just somehow, yeah, it just came back up. Initially, as we were talking, I was noticing the connection between this and integrity very clearly, but now I'm not noticing it at all. So I'm, I'm actually curious about when we're showing up and we're noticing our motivations and we're noticing other people's motivations. How does this relate to integrity? How does integrity fit into all of this? Um, and how can how can perceiving the work through the lens of building integrity help us deepen what we already talked about? Cool. Um, okay, so for me, integrity is, I don't think this is the definition at all, but for me, it has to do with finding the merit uh, as opposed to the correct answer or what's going to make people feel good or, um, you know, doing the right thing or <clears throat> whatever. It's just where, what's the merit actually? What's the truth? Like what's actually, what's the relevant thing? What's the, um, so it's like, even if it's your opponent telling you something that is uncomfortable to hear, if you can find the merit in there, like that there's something relevant for you to learn in there, then you'll, then you'll take that. So for me, integrity has to do with finding out. It has to do with truth. And I always kind of avoid saying truth because there's, everybody has an opinion about that and there's layers. Um, but yeah, but it's basically like prioritizing the facts, you can say the facts above um, the relationships or the feelings. Advertising <laughs> the facts above the relationships slash feelings, which would mean perceiving clearly what's being communicated or, or something in myself, despite the implications of how it could affect the relationship. Is that it? So I say that more and like, so say your, your partner is saying you're being an asshole and you don't want to believe that you don't want to take that, but you can find some truth in it. Mm -hmm. So even if you would rather win or you would rather that, you, that your top priority is the merit, your top priority is the best point is the breakthrough is the best case scenario. So when your partner tells you that you're an asshole, um, the integrous thing to do in your eyes would be to genuinely intend to see the fact of what they're trying to get at or point at within me and to sit. Okay. With there's an, there's a that. caveat. Okay. The yeah. caveat is if, um, 
you're looking for it. So I think for me, integrity, it's like, I, I'm already, my radar is already on high beam for this. I'm looking for more access to freedom, basically. That's mm-hmm. what we all are doing. So even if it's like my partner is telling me I'm an asshole, um, if they're just doing that out of spite or they're doing that to whatever, no, I'm not, I'm not just going to be like, okay, let's hear it. Let me, let me really work hard to find the most, you know, with the, no, I'm going to be like, no, I call your bluff. Um, but because my beams are so like, my radar is so strong for merit, I'm going to find it if it's in there. So my, for me, integrity is about looking for the the truth, looking for the wisdom, looking for the breakthrough, looking for the learning, like truly pursuing the learning and having and having more and more discernment about that. So, and for me, this is what makes someone trustworthy is that they prioritize learning above their own self-image, their own self-protection, their own reputation, but they actually want to get it. They actually want to learn. They actually want to grow. They actually want freedom. They actually want more clarity, more wisdom, more light. Like to me, that's, it's, I can, I can almost like categorize people like this. It's like, are you hungry for learning and finding out the truth, finding out for sure, finding out for real what's up? Or are you preserving, protecting, avoiding, hiding, strategizing? Mm -hmm. And everybody's strategizing a little bit, but just what's your top priority? And I think that's so integrity is like the intent to move towards that is whatever the situation brings up to move towards greater truth, wisdom, and and perceiving myself and other more clearly and having that as the top priority and how I show. Okay. Exactly. It's it's specifically about the prioritization of learning above positioning. Yeah. So no matter how much pain or suffering a situation brings up, I'm always going to continue to prioritize, prioritize that. Yeah. It's a cool thread. If you keep going, you get better and better. It's like you, you stop, like you become more and more whole. I don't know how to explain this, but the more you just prioritize learning, it's like, oh, like more of you gets unlocked and then you're more you're more of a confident teacher. You have less blind spots. Da, 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 da. Like you become just this more. So people tend to think if you just keep trying to learn, then you're just going to stay in this like student role who's constantly like subservient and taking as definitely not the case. Like learning, like just prioritizing learning and growth above all else can get you. I mean, I think it's also what like the great philosophers and history have had in common. Like a humility. Yeah. yeah. I like how you said increasing discernment as well, because when I think of that example of the student that's always learning, a lot of times the negative view of that is they're always assuming the other is right, or they're always assuming the teacher is right. It's almost like to truly learn is to, is to increase the discernment of when the teacher is right and when the teacher is Totally. That's exactly, it's part of it. That's part of what you're learning. It's like you're learning content, but you're also learning context. Right. And that's actually the more interesting thing to learn over time is the context. Yeah, it's like discerning discerning how to relate to the content or discerning. And who to trust and what's relevant for you. Yeah. And what's just who maybe interesting, but irrelevant for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what came up was also the why did I do that question that you were bringing up earlier. It's like, because I was asking myself, like, what would it be like to prioritize learning above all else? 
what I what and I was like, yeah, if I asked why did I do that in most situations, that would definitely put learning as a priority. Very cool. That'll get you far. Awesome. And it already has, I can tell. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You as well. Um Oh shit, wait. I did have a call, but she can wait. <laughs> yeah, wait, I'm, I was just about to wrap up. Um I told her I needed five minutes, so we've got five. Awesome. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. And uh I'm really I'm really content with the the direction that we took this conversation and what we talked about. And you have some incredible insights into these topics and yeah, I just want to say I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. I really loved this. Really good questions and such a such a sincere relationship to this work. So for me, it's super refreshing and fun. Great to meet you. Awesome. Yeah, so nice to meet you too. <laughs>